You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Raise your hand if you want to waste less time on social media while still producing results. Now put your hand down. You look like a crazy person. Today, we're going to be talking about social media management. There are so many companies and individuals out there that call themselves social media managers. However, few are true experts. Thankfully, today's guest is one of those experts. We're talking to none other than Kevin Lee. He is the vice president of marketing at Buffer. Buffer is a social media management software that Forbes has referred to as a top 10 must-use social media tool. And I cannot agree more. I've actually been a paying customer myself for seven years, and Buffer will continue to earn my business. In this episode, Kevin explains a little bit more about Buffer, and we also talk about how to effectively manage social media while yielding results. Let's not wait any longer. Here's my conversation with Kevin Lee. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alex. So I want to start off with something that most people probably know, but can you just share a little bit about what Buffer is and also what you do with the company? For sure. Yeah. So Buffer is a social media management platform. We have a suite of products that helps people share to social media, plan your social media posts, engage with your audience on social media, analyze your results on social media, pretty much any any job you might have on social media, we are a solution for it. And specifically, I am the marketing leader at Buffer. So I'm the VP of marketing. I have been there for five years now and got my start at Buffer through content marketing and kind of grew into the role as Buffer grew as a company. So I get the privilege of leading a team and figuring out strategy stuff every day. That's great. I mean, you guys are a massive, massive social media company. I've actually seen quite a few articles written about Buffer that just talk about how it's like a top 10 tool you need if you're managing social media. It's definitely one of the things you need. Something that was interesting to me, though, is that you're in marketing over there. You're basically running the marketing show. That sounds like a stressful job to me. Running marketing at a big company like that, like there's a lot on your shoulders, right? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on you to know what you're talking about when you're on social media. It's funny. So I joined five years ago and at the time, Instagram was not anywhere near the size or, or scope or scale as it is today. And so I grew my following on Twitter and now it's like figuring out how to grow on Instagram. It's just so interesting how it's evolved. And then at the same time, I'm kind of feeling that urge to to be a thought leader, to be at least to know what I'm talking about when it comes to all these different social networks, because that is the core thing the buffer's all about. Right. No, absolutely. So I, I guess you personally, you've literally spent time on on just about any type of social media there is. And tried your best to, to figure out how it works basically right yeah one of my favorites has been tumblr which is kind of strange to say really now but five years ago it was pretty a pretty sweet spot to hang out so even seeing like how things have come and gone since then it's it's wild how things have evolved yeah it really is do you remember vine by any chance i love vine loved vine me too it was the only social media platform i actually had a substantial following on it like actually enough that i'd walk around my city and people would be like hey Alex, I've seen you on Vine. Will you, will you do one with me? And then it disappeared one day and I never diversified. That's a side note for everyone. Diversify your audience. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, you're still early on TikTok if you can get in there now. So, Oh, man, I don't know. You know, I, I downloaded it and I tried the same tactics I use on Vine. And uh, so I posted one video and I did the same stuff I would have done back then. And it got I deleted the app. But before I deleted it, it was at close to 300,000 views or whatever they call it on there. Whoa. So I, I like to think I can actually still do it. I don't think I'm willing to anymore. <laughs> I love creating a brand. I love this podcast. I think I'm more interested in this than that at this point in my, my life. So that's smart. Pick your battles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So I kind of want to jump into some of our topic here today. So I really want to talk quite a bit about wasting less time on social media because a lot of us are just wasting our time, but we still want to produce results. So that's why we're spending so much time on it, but kind of how we can do more on social media while wasting less time. And I really want to get into that today. And I think a great place to start is a term that I use that you don't use. I talk about social automation and you call it something completely different. You talk about it as planning. Can you kind of explain what you consider to be the difference of automating your social media and planning your social media? Definitely. It's a subtle difference, but I, I think it's an important one, or at least we believe it to be an important one. It used to be automation. When I think of it, I think of oh, maybe one of those, in, those infomercials about rotisserie chickens where you set it and forget it. Okay. And I think there's a lot of virtue in doing that, like a lot of value in doing that. We're talking about saving time. That is absolutely a way to save you time. That is the unique selling proposition for that. And that was great a few years ago. What we've noticed is that setting it and forgetting it, the risk there is that you take yourself out of the conversations and you end up portraying your brand or yourself as someone who just wants, almost like a selfish angle of like, I'm going to put my message out there and get it out there as much as possible. And I'm going to go off and and do other things. And it's, it's just an inauthentic way to engage on social media. And so we've shifted that perspective a bit to think of it more in terms of planning. So rather than saying, I'm going to fill up my buffer queue with posts through the whole week so that I can go on vacation and check it again like a week from now, rather than doing that, it's more like, this is the content that fits our strategy over the next week. This is all the content that I have done ahead of time. I'm going to plan it out, plug it in, get it set to go so that it's consistent, that it's on brand, that we're batching that work in order to save us time moving forward, but not to save us time in the sense that we're just going to go disappear, but to kind of refocus that time and energy into engaging and following up. And then knowing when it publishes, we have some tools within Buffer that let you go back in and engage with people who are responding to that content, who are at mentioning you, DMing you. So being involved in those conversations, I think is part of the, should be part of an overall social media strategy. So the planning part is where you end up saving some of that time to put into the engagement, put into some other activities. Okay, that makes sense. I'm immediately convicted, if you will. I feel like I need to go back and (laughs) write an old blog post I did. It was actually called, what was this post called? It was called uh, How to Automate Your Social Media While You're on Vacation. Mm. I think you spoke to both of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and make some changes. But no, that makes sense. So instead of just selfishly, like you're saying, throwing a bunch of stuff into a queue and then just disappearing and letting it run, doing whatever it's going to do, like post on all your social media on your behalf, you're actually basically saying plan it and plan on also being on those different social media platforms while that content's going live. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Exactly. Yeah. I think with automation, there's this assumption that it's like inherent assumption that it's going to almost run itself for you. And I think that's the risk with social media. You need to be there running it yourself because people are very good at noticing when something is not authentic or genuine anymore. So yeah, for us, it's a lot about being there so you can engage with the content. And when you think of it in terms of planning, it's still really valuable to plan ahead of time so that you're not scrambling last minute or unsure what to post the day of. Like you can take this time to think holistically and strategically about what you want to put out there, right? get it all set to go, and then still engage when the time comes. Yeah. So it obviously planning still keeps you authentic because I think some people, they're really against any sort of scheduling at all, if you will, because they want it to be as authentic as possible. But truthfully, it's more strategic. It still can be authentic, but it's just not 
always exactly real time. And I actually think that can even be more authentic because you're giving your whole message, not just what you have going on in that moment or that second, right? I think so too. Yeah. I think it's, if you think of product launch that's coming up or a big event, you might be planning many of the pieces of that launch or event weeks in advance. And social media can be one of those things that you plan in advance, get everything scheduled, ready to go so that you can be more present when the time comes. There's just a lot of a lot of value in kind of batching that work and putting that work up front so that you can not feel rushed and hurried and unsure of what to do when the time comes. Right. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. I think that's great. Now I we need to take a little break here and do some myth busting real quick. <laughs> okay. I hope you're ready for this because I've most people that are already kind of hesitant to get something like Buffer installed or to have some any sort of scheduling of their social media, they always say the same thing to me like, well, Alex, if you use one of those, then you're going to get penalized for using a third-party tool and less people are going to see it. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your research on what really happens when you're using a third-party tool on any of these social media platforms. Yeah, I understand the the feeling there. We've definitely heard that sentiment before at Buffer. And we heard it so often that we went and did some research ourselves on it to see what exactly does happen. And according to our data, we did a bunch of different brands and and influencers and individuals. There was no difference posting natively through the platforms versus using a third-party tool like Buffer. So no, there's no, no penalties for using a tool like Buffer. There's nothing in the official marketing partner programs that we are part of with these networks. Same with our competitors like Esprout Social or Hootsuite. None of these tools are penalized. I think where the myth comes from, and this is a total speculation, but just a theory that I have is that a lot of a lot of the brands and businesses out there who might not follow the best practices, they can see declining reach, they can see declining engagement because of some of the things we just talked about in terms of automation where you're just sending content out with no... right intention to respond or to kind of see how it lands with the with your audience we call it a spray and pray approach you just want to get as much out there and you pray that something sticks with someone it doesn't really work anymore does it it doesn't work anymore no and i think like when, five, five years ago we were talking about this before recording it, it did used to work though right it did used to work yeah yeah so if you haven't changed that strategy you're going to see lower numbers if you're using a tool it's very reasonable to assume maybe it's the tool that's causing it but i think ultimately when you get down to it it's going to be the way that you're going about your social media. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really important that we kind of talked about that. And you, you were being a little bit modest with the research that Buffer did. I mean, it was like, it was millions of posts, right? I mean, it wasn't like a small number. I remember reading something about it like last year, I believe. Yeah, it was pretty concrete. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And, you know, I think that people need to kind of have that mindset shift that it's not a bad thing. It's considered like a, a partner to your social media strategy, not something that could potentially harm it. Exactly. Yeah. It's only an asset as far as we have seen from the data. Right. So what are some ways that you guys have been able to just continue to grow your engagement? Because Buffer has fantastic engagement across the board. And obviously you would need to to show the market that you, you're working, able to do what you're doing. But how have you guys been able to do that? And you know how much time is actually spent doing that? So kind of a twofold question there. First off, again, how have you done that and how much time is spent doing that? Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. So we do invest in social media like from a, a team and organizational perspective. So we have a full-time social media manager here. Our marketing team is 10 people. So one of those roles is a, a full-time social media role. So that's one of the things, like we're investing the people resources to make it a priority. And beyond that, I think there's a lot that has to do with staying 
current with the trends, not only with exactly what types of tools to use and what features of the social networks to use, but also just the general way that social media is trending. We've kind of alluded to it a bit. It's less of a broadcast anymore. It's more of a conversation. And Mm -hmm. knowing that and being aware of that, I think is very important for continuing to grow engagement or or maybe not even to grow it in terms of raw numbers. I think you might see across the board, even the best ones are seeing less engagement than before, but to really focus on that authentic engagement that, you know, people will tell their friends about and will get you positive word of mouth and things like that. So shifting that perspective is really important. And then the second piece is, yeah, you do go in, you use Instagram stories, which we weren't using before you use different Pinterest strategies and Twitter strategies and LinkedIn strategies, like everything kind of moves around and it's important to be aware of those things as they move. Yeah. I just saw that you guys can now schedule stories, by the way, which thank you so much for that. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> yes, it is great. So something you just mentioned that I really, that really like that you said, it's more of a conversation now. I think at one point, kind of using an example here, social media was kind of like a drive through like you would just kind of post your stuff and, and hope for the best. And now it's more like a coffee shop. It's somewhere where you want to have conversations as you want to sit down and have people kind of stay around for a while. Am I right in saying that? And that's kind of the way that you guys are running things now? Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about engagement. What are some ways that people have done that successfully? Is it just responding to comments? Is it reaching out to people? Like, what does that really look like to you and to your team? Yeah, there's a couple different ways we might think about it. I always get these terms a bit muddled, so I think people have different definitions. But what I think of is typically social listening and then social media monitoring. And so monitoring is going to be your paying attention to app mentions, to direct messages, to people specifically reaching out to talk to you. And then listening is more about being aware of the conversations that are going on that are about your company in general, or your space in general, or topics that you have an expertise in or want to be known to have an expertise in. So it's kind of a a twofold thing. It's both replying to everyone who at mentions you or tries to speak with you directly. I think that's super important. We saw some stats that said companies, I think it was less than 30% of companies reply to everyone. So like that in and of itself is a competitive advantage, just replying to things. But then if you can take that a step further and say like, okay, here's someone who's talking about, I'm struggling to, save some time planning social media content. Great. We can be part of that conversation in a very natural, not creepy kind of way. Like there's ways to go about it, but be aware of those things that are happening and and insert ourselves where it makes sense. Yeah. So monitoring, seeing your mentions and kind of just responding that type of thing and then actually listening. So being aware of your topics and what's going on with those different things. And are you really intentional with making sure that you're just focus on those topics because I think this is where a lot of people waste time on social media. They'll post something, they're psyched about, they'll do the engagement type of thing, which I want to get back to in a minute, but they'll kind of go through that whole motion. And then next thing you know, they're just scrolling for an hour goes by. <laughs> and they're they're yeah. lost. You know, they're looking at puppies when they were posting about cars or something like that. You know, it just kind of, we kind of lose control real quick, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's some systems that you can use <laughs> that will prevent you from kind of going down the, the wormhole of Twitter or, or Facebook or Instagram. So the key is to have a sense of what specifically you want to be looking for or listening for, and then only look in those spots for, for those conversations, whether it's a, a third-party tool like Buffer that you use, or if it's a native tool like a Twitter search or Facebook search for those keywords. Right. I guess a lot of it does come down to self-discipline and, and focus, right? You have it to does. be focused yeah. on those things if you're going to succeed in this space, or you're just going to waste every last second of your life looking at social media because that's what a lot of us end up doing. 
and that's what it's built to do is to, to keep you there. So right. <laughs> it, it does a good job of that for sure. And that's, that's fantastic. I mean, obviously, again, there's a lot to be said for us being self-disciplined ourselves. But uh, I had somebody on the podcast a couple of weeks ago who talked about if you're not actually sharing on social media as much as you're engaging, there's a problem. He's saying you need to be sharing as much as you're engaging. You shouldn't be spending every hour of your day on it while you're not actually posting or sharing anything. So yeah. you can't just be a spectator. And I think that that's a really good way to just say, hey, we've got to be part of the conversation, not just watching it, basically. Yeah. And I think what Buffer helps with or, or any third party tool like us is if you were to say that ratio of sharing to engaging is, say, 50-50, what a third party tool like a tool like Buffer can help with is shifting that so that maybe it's 20% sharing, 80% engaging. Like we'll, the time you save in sharing, you can put back into engaging. And that's that ratio is just going to be wonderful. Like you'll be able to produce as much as you did before, but produce it more efficiently, more planned out. And then the rest of the time you can kind of reinvest back into engaging with folks. Yeah. That's great. I, I want to ask one more thing on the idea of engagement. How important is it to actually respond to your comments, mentions, and, and shares and things like that in a timely manner? And what is a timely manner? I mean, is it important first off? And is there an actual like, kind of cutoff time that you should focus on? Yes, it is important to respond quickly. How quickly depends on the network. So Twitter, we've heard that it's ideally less than an hour is the best time to reply. And that's specifically around customer service things. So you'll see a lot of people reach out to companies on Twitter for customer support questions and things like mm -hmm. that. And there is a certain urgency just to having a bug or something that's wrong with your product experience that you want resolved right away. So generally though, we'll say Twitter is a bit more of an immediate response than other networks. Okay. But overall, our rule is like a 24 hour policy. If you get a message from someone, it's great to be able to respond within 24 hours. Right. Okay. And you think that that obviously from your brand perspective Super helpful. It shows that you're alive in there, right? Yeah. So that, that side's really helpful. But also, do you find that it helps boost content? Uh, I know that that's very broad because there's so many different social media platforms. If we can kind of run through a couple of those, does it actually help your content get seen by more people when you're actually engaging quicker with it? Yeah, it's so interesting. So I, I believe that algorithms are so robust and wonderful and complicated. There's a hundred or thousand or million different factors that go into them. One of those for sure is the potential virality of a post. And one of the ways to measure that is early engagement. So if you post something and 10 people are commenting on it within the first 15 minutes, that's likely to be a signal to the algorithm that this content is worth showing to more people. When it comes to you re-engaging with those comments, my belief is that the algorithm is smart enough to know that you are the one adding to the comment count <laughs> like in a, in a way that it's not a signal of, oh, this is probably going to go viral to other folks, but just more of a signal of, right? yeah, this is the brand that posted it. <laughs> so I don't know that your, your engaging is going to boost it any further, but I think overall it sends this message of, yes, we're here. Yes, we're responsive. We hear you. We're reactive. And I think it will train to the wrong word. It'll, it'll help people to learn that when they do engage with you, they'll be in a conversation. And so that'll just encourage future engagement. So it, it's only going to do good things. I think specifically when it comes to boosting a piece of content, it probably doesn't have a lot of impact. If you're creating a brand, whether it's a personal brand through a blog or influencing on social media or a professional brand with a product or service that you're offering, the Creating a Brand community is for you. We are your digital mastermind or tribe. Our community is built on our own custom social media platform where we share our experiences, recommendations, and solve real problems together. In addition, all members have exclusive access to our many online courses. 
Ultimately, we are a powerful community of entrepreneurs that are helping each other succeed. You will always go further in life and in business when you're part of a healthy community. I'm so passionate about this that I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. Visit creatingabrand.com and join our community today. You can start for free and it will take you less than three minutes to set up. Once you join, message me directly. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. Do you think that it's important for people to just focus maybe on one or two platforms or should everybody be on all of them just because they can schedule on all of them? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think the advice that we tend to give folks is to not feel like you need to be everywhere. If you have the resources to, if you're a really big brand, then yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably less often the case for, for different brands now though. So choose the ones that your audience is on. You can tell that by looking at competitors, seeing where they're most active. You can look at that through like different follower accounts that you have. Like where is the audience engaging with you the most? And then really focus on those. One thing I will add, if you aren't going to be everywhere, it's nice to reserve your username everywhere and just kind of put up almost like a, a brand storefront in that place. So put your logo there and fill it all out completely. And then maybe point people to the profiles where you are active on. That's smart. That way no one takes that as you start to build your company, right? Yeah, you can kind of control your brand everywhere, even if you're not always posting and focusing on something. I think that's a good point because, you know, again, just kind of talking about this whole topic of wasting less time, the main thing you can do is be where your audience is, right? I mean, where are they actually? And do you find that it tends to be the audience just kind of follows the biggest trend. So whichever like is the hot social media platform right now, example, Instagram, which we'll get into more in a little bit, but do you feel like that's where everybody should be right now? Or could it still be other platforms? I think it could still be other platforms. I think it's an interesting juxtaposition between, okay, we want, we we like Instagram and Facebook because they are massive. And yeah, probably most of your audience is on them just because most of the entire world is on them. So I think there's, there's a draw there. So likely it's, it's going to be that your social media strategy will include one or both of those networks. But I think where it becomes really powerful is when you start getting into the different niches and specific segments that your customers and audience are focused on. So if you look at some of the demographic information for these social networks, you'll see that Snapchat is popular among a certain demographic and Pinterest is popular among a certain demographic. And I think that can really shape your strategy in, in, in a very efficient way. Like, the advertising that you put on those platforms will be better spent. The time you put there will be better spent. So yeah, I think there's there's kind of a, a two-pronged approach. You can go for volume and mass, which you'll definitely find on Facebook and Instagram, but you can also really zoom in on the specific niches if they apply to the other social networks for your brand. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I have a couple different companies that I run. There's one of them we started really looking at the analytics on social media. We had a, we were on every platform, you know, we're on everything. We were spending a lot of time on Instagram, which again, it's the big one right now, right? Mm-hmm. But when we really dug into the analytics and we started looking at our um, Google analytics as well to see where the traffic was coming from, Instagram was one of our lowest performers. And we just determined that that wasn't where our audience was. We actually found that Facebook and LinkedIn were bringing in double and triple, and we weren't even giving them as much attention at the time, if you will. We were more focused on growing Instagram because we're like, that's where everyone's going. That's where we need to be. But like what you just said, that's not always the case. And so when we kind of shifted our strategy, where we more just put Instagram on autopilot because people just like the pictures, they weren't actually becoming customers. We started focusing more on Facebook and LinkedIn. We started actually seeing real conversions really start to increase because we focused where our audience was instead of trying to force where we thought our audience was. 
Yeah, that's great. And if I'm hearing right, it's almost a, a tweak in the strategy too. Like Instagram becomes an awareness channel for you and Facebook and LinkedIn could be more of that acquisition channel. So I think a lot of brands think of it similarly too. Yeah, I think it's really important even as an individual, if you're just somebody who's out there just trying to grow exposure for yourself and whatever it may be that your brand you're creating, maybe it's your own influencer brand. Again, it's, you know, just because Instagram is a big one today that we're talking about, by the time this podcast goes live, we could all be talking about something else, you know, it can change t- tomorrow, really. So it is really important to figure out where that audience is and don't make the assumption that, oh, I've got to be here because it's kind of like what it's trending is where everyone's at. So I'm glad we, we talked about that a little bit because I think that's really important because you just find your, that's how you waste a lot of time is when you focus in the wrong place, right? It's true. Yeah. And to your point, one of the things that has been really interesting just as social media has gone by the last few years for me is that people ask for best practices or what should I do here? And like you mentioned, a lot of it is just getting into your own data and seeing, okay, what are we seeing in our numbers? It's almost like the best practice is whatever your numbers tell you. <laughs> so I feel like such an imposter saying that, but it's ultimately true. It's like what's true for you might be different for me and mm-hmm. different for this other brand over here. And so your numbers are the ones that you you definitely want to rely on the most. Yeah, that's a good tip to mention there is just your own analytics I don't think it makes you sound vain or anything like that, by the way. I think it sounds fine to go in there and look at it. It sounds like you're or anything like that. That's, that's part it's of easy it. Out. It's like, there is no best practice. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, do you understand how marketing works? Uh, I, I don't know. Just look at your numbers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's good. So Instagram now, kind of being the buzz, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like you can, if you type in Instagram anywhere, everyone's got all these ideas and different things you can do on it on how to like boost your engagement. And there's all these agencies now that apparently will help you with that type of thing. You know, it's the buzz. Everyone's talking about it right now. What are kind of some of your big thoughts on Instagram right now as far as one thing I know that's getting really popular is talking about focusing less on the feed, more on the stories. What is kind of your take on that? Yeah, we're definitely seeing the feed versus stories come into play. I think when you consider on like the biggest scale of how does like Facebook owns Instagram. So how does the Facebook Instagram how do they combat competitors like TikTok and like what what is social media moving to in general? I think you do see this, the quick and short and very engaging content out there that's oftentimes in video or interactive form. And that's very much a stories format. And so I think we're starting to see that come into a lot more of the Instagram UI and the product itself. You might see it come into the explore tab I've heard recently. And we're just kind of getting... I think we're going to see more and more stories come into the Instagram experience. Like before that happens today, for instance, I think the behaviors that you'll probably see is that a lot of people treat the story section almost as the feed or as the timeline of a story. Like they're just checking there. They're not really scrolling. They're scrolling horizontally across the different stories, not vertically up and down the feed. And I think that's, it's kind of an interesting observation. Like there's, some really cool stuff that you can do with stories. You mentioned earlier, you can schedule stories in Buffer now. So there's some really powerful brand things you can do there. It's just a very, very personal, very approachable, very interactive form of engaging on social media. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's caught on. The feed itself is great too, but it's I, you can notice those jobs kind of shifting. Like there's a certain way you approach stories and a certain way you approach the feed. And they're starting to diverge a little more than maybe they had in the past. Yeah. Now, you know, what's funny is I like to actually watch people when they load up Instagram, which people do everywhere now. I don't know about you or when, how, I don't even know how old you are or anything like that. But when I was growing up, having your phone at the table was like extremely rude that, you know, mom would be like, what are you doing with your phone at the table? You know, like yeah. it, it was, 
grounds for getting in trouble. Maybe that was just my family. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, you might have been a little strict on me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, now it's, it's socially acceptable to be in mid-conversation with someone. Someone busts out their phone, opens Instagram. But I'm always watching what people are doing. And I'm seeing, like you're saying, more and more people that are scrolling through the stories instead of actually down through the feed. So a lot of them will just check the stories that they haven't seen yet, and then they'll shut the app down. It's just kind of keep up with what's going on. The big complaint I hear about stories, both on Facebook and on Instagram, is that it takes a lot of time to do that. So how on earth are you actually going to be saving time and staying more focused with your social media, but create stories? How do you do those two things together? They don't seem like they coexist, really. Yeah, it is a tricky one. There's a couple different things that we would probably consider. One of them is that there was a study that came out not too long ago that said less polished content did as well or better than really polished content. So I think there is, there, there's a case to be made to challenge that expectation that it has to look really great and be really polished and spend a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value in spending a lot of time on it and making it look polished. So I think there's, there's definitely pros and cons to both sides. But you could try just kind of experiment with seeing what happens when you go a bit more off the cuff and, and random with some of your stories content. Right. I think another another thought is there's some really cool apps out there that make the design side of it a lot easier. We have a stories creator app at Buffer and are working on some other like content creation stuff. There's tons of stuff in the app stores that you can find that have templates and different things that'll make your stuff look really good. So I think there's some product feature things that are coming out that are helping with that. Then I think another way to that we found that works great to save time and we haven't talked about this too much in, in this episode yet, but there's the concept of user-generated content. And when you think of that as, you know, you see a lot of that happening with someone who posts about a product that they love and then that company takes their post and reshares it on their own feed. Instagram makes it super easy to share stories where your brand is mentioned on your own brand's stories feed. So features like that where you can cross post and things like that it it saves a ton of time and it's great for branding it's great for engagement it like checks all the boxes and it only takes a minute or two so i think we're starting to see maybe like natively through the networks themselves and also through third-party tools with scheduling some of those time-saving things are starting to come into play now that stories is becoming such a big thing i think it kind of needed that mass before it started being something people would optimize for Right. And so what you're saying with user-generated content, like we hadn't really mentioned that yet, but basically you're saying that not all stories need to be completely original to you. It just needs to stay on the same focus, but it could be from somebody else, maybe a customer or somebody that, you know, just has content that you also enjoy sharing that people might not be following as well, right? That's a great way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of different ways to approach the type of content that you put there. It could be behind the scenes content. It could be scraps from something that you did elsewhere. Like there's ways to share cool stuff without it taking a ton of time necessarily. Yeah. And I like what you're saying. Just kind of off the cuff is not bad. And to test it, of course, maybe you have an audience that loves the super polished stuff. And if that's the case, you got to find a way just to get more efficient with creating it. But maybe for all, you know, because like you're talking about how you guys did that massive study, I know on people were liking pictures that were not polished at all, just as much, if not more than other posts that were like really well done, professionally shot and things like that. So who knows, maybe your audience might like to see what feels like a more authentic version of you, not saying that it is, but when you just kind of show that rawness, it it feels that way to somebody who just is looking at you through a screen. Yeah, absolutely. There was this article in The Atlantic not too long ago about the Instagram aesthetic, which is kind of the soft colors and certain filters and very produced images how that aesthetic is starting to become less popular in terms of engagement and influencers are going a different route. And it's instead people are 
swinging away from that and the pendulum swinging back toward very organic looking posts. So I think there is a case to be made for trying that out at least. Yeah, I agree with that. Now I have one other kind of topic on this same thing here, talking about the rise of memes. Yes, social media, non-polished content. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, here's the deal. All social media for me is kind of work right now, and I I love engaging with the audience. I love all that, but then the day, like, it is taking energy from me, and that's fine. That's what it should be doing if I'm using it right, because I'm not just using it to relax. However, the treat for me is going across a couple of my favorite meme pages because that's like when I'm going to bust out laughing. I could be sitting there for 15 minutes, like, not a smile on my face, just kind of going through this content, talking with people, having conversations that can be pretty serious, and the next thing you know, I just bust out laughing because I see the a great meme, right? Absolutely, yeah. So that's obviously a trend that's coming up, right? It is. Yeah. You mentioned meme accounts. I think we're seeing it in brand accounts too. Like there's like memes are everywhere for folks. And I think you'll see some brands that's not part of their voice and tone or it just doesn't, doesn't fit their brand style necessarily. But for the brands who are open to it, it's been great. We, we personally have tried it out a few times. They've been some of our most commented, most liked posts on Instagram. And really? I think the same is true for many other brands out there. They're very... Memes are very relatable content, and that's going to lead to tons of engagement. Yeah. You know, I, I started kind of sampling with the meme thing myself. And one of the places I'm actually spent a lot of my time is on LinkedIn. That's where a lot of my clients come from, as I mentioned, with actually multiple brands that I have. And so on this one in particular, I was kind of testing it out. And I posted really serious content, a lot of really serious content, got a little bit of engagement. And then I just tried a couple memes here and there. And my goodness, like <laughs> double and triple amount of people. Because if you think about LinkedIn, is it's a lot of professionalism. And when somebody had like a good witty meme that kind of looked like a professional meme, if you will, if that's, I don't even know if you can really say that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of like a meme that's yeah. more addressed towards a business professional. People were like, this is so funny, dude. This like made my day. Yeah, so it's kind of something that's just a little different. It's a mindset shift because if you're used to like, you want to create this very professional, very polished brand, the idea of sharing a meme doesn't sound like something you should do necessarily, right? Totally. It could be very out of left field compared to some of the stuff you're used to seeing, which is probably why it's one of the reasons why it's so effective too. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. So I think that the more memes you can add, the better. Are you a big proponent of building your own or just kind of using repurposed content? I think we're open to either really. I, I think the ones that we see most effective are when you take an existing meme and kind of shape it to fit your brand, like if you head to the Buffer Instagram page, there was one just this last few days where it was like a very angry dog and then a very happy dog. And the angry dog was like all the time you spend working on stories and then the very happy dog was scheduling a story in advance with Buffer. And so like tying that product <laughs> into it, yeah, kind of a cool way of doing it, but kind of using something that's existing that people might recognize or relate to. I think that's like the the perfect medium there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of time. So you're looking to save a little bit of time and get like some laughs and get some engagement. It's a great way to do it. Something to consider. I never thought I would talk about memes on the Creating a Brand podcast. I have to be honest with you, Kevin. Here we are. You can do a whole episode on memes probably. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, I'm not even going to pretend to know as much as you know about marketing, about social media, or any of that, you being the VP at Buffer for marketing. Kevin, hit us with one more big piece of wisdom that you have for a way that we can waste less time and actually start producing better results on social media. I'd love to hear your kind of final thoughts for this episode. Yeah, I would say this might seem very basic, but I found that oftentimes the basic things are the ones that I forget to do from the start. So my best advice would be to know why you're on social media, like have a plan for yourself on social media. I think that's probably the one thing that'll waste the most time is if you're not sure what your 
doing exactly that's how you end up you know going down wormholes and trying things that don't really fit kind of with your other goals so for us at buffer we've decided that social media for us it's about engagement it's about consistency and it's about being on brand and like if we're hitting those three boxes that's great for us so if you can come up with a similar system like set of rules for yourself on social media that'll really help you focus and get rid of the noise and the time-wasting activities and just kind of focus on the stuff that truly matters to you and your business. So know why you're on social media. Again, basic, but so good. I think that's a great way to end this episode, Kevin. I really appreciate you being on the Creating a Brand podcast and from myself and from the Creating a Brand listeners and the Creating a Brand community. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been an honor to interview today. So Kevin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Alex. This has been great. Thanks, everyone. This was an action-packed episode. We talked about planning social media content, engaging with your audience, authenticity, Instagram stories, and of course, the rise of memes, which was my favorite part. Kevin shared a lot of wisdom with us, but I want to highlight something he said at the very end of the episode. Know why you're on social media. The majority of the time, we're wasting time on social media because we open the app subconsciously. We need to have a plan and a purpose for getting on in the first place. This reminds me of something I've said a lot on this podcast, knowing the why behind the what. What we're doing is getting on social media. We have to ask ourselves why we're getting on in the first place. Unfortunately, scrolling through hilarious meme pages isn't a good enough reason. So next time you're getting on social media, stop and ask yourself why you're getting on in the first place. If you can't come up with a good reason, get off and go develop a plan. This is how you'll be able to waste less time and yield bigger results by having that plan. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your social media management wisdom with us today. Creating a brand community members, I cannot wait to talk social media management this week. We're going to have a powerful conversation and learn to produce better results together while we're saving time in the process. Seriously, cannot wait. For show notes from today's episode, visit creatingabrandpodcast.com. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to sharing another episode with you next week. 